At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. A couple of people get that. It's just a joke. It's okay. Right? So great is God's faithfulness, right? Uh, yes, you can continue to praise him. If you want to praise God at any point during this service, go ahead. You don't need my permission. Just praise him, right? Because today, what we're going to learn is that we gather together to testify of God's deliverance, that God has delivered each and every one of us, right? Either If, if we don't want to give him the credit, he's still delivered us. He's still been good to us. He's still been kind to us. And his faithfulness has indeed endured generation to generation, as the word says. You know, my son Ezra uh, he asks pretty regularly, when will the sickness end? And I say, that's a great question. You know, I, I don't know, but God is our help and God is our deliverer. And whenever God decides to deliver us, that's when the sickness will end. Now, he doesn't necessarily care about, you know, Nobel coronavirus or COVID-19. None of those things make any sense to him. He is asking because there's a deep-seated why inside of him. He just wants his life to get back to normal. He just wants to be able to play on the playground again. He just wants to be able to eat ice cream in community again. So he asks these questions because there's a why that is thrusting him to ask these questions. And that's why we've been in this series called Assembly Required for these past four weeks, because we're getting at the biblical why, the foundation for why do we actually gather together on church, uh, on Sunday for church, right? If you grew up in the church, you probably didn't ask a whole lot of why do we go to church today. It was just, it's Sunday, we get up and we go. Once you got a little bit older, you started asking why, why do I have to do this? This isn't that much fun or whatever the case might be. Maybe, maybe that didn't happen in some of your family. Some of you are looking at me like your kids don't ask, do I have to come to church today? That, that's okay. It was a joke. You can laugh. The 9.30 service didn't get it either, so I just want to make sure I don't say that joke anymore. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate that. So we've been getting to the why of assembly required. Why is it required? Why do we need to build a case for the church? We've been looking at the rich theological and biblical foundations from the book of Psalms that are full of emotion, that are full of feeling, that are full of true stories of real people lamenting, praising, asking, petitioning for things. So that's what we're doing here. And that's what we're going to start next week. We're going to start a new series called Built for More, where we're going to address probably the two most important things that we do as the body of Christ publicly, is we gather together on Sundays. We gather together to delight in his word we saw four weeks ago, to receive cleansing and joy from our confession we saw two weeks ago. Last week we saw we gather together because every moment, every day, God is to be praised. Today we're realizing that we're gathering together to testify of God's deliverance. The next Sunday we're going to start a series called Built for More that's going to be four more weeks in the Psalms addressing why we have to be in community together. Specifically, why must we be in life groups together? Why must we partner life on life? Why must we partner family on family? Because we can't do this alone. So we're getting at the why do we have life groups and why do we have to assemble on Sundays? Why do we really need to do this? And today what we're going to see in Psalm chapter 40 is that we gather together to testify of God's deliverance. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 40. If you didn't bring a Bible to church today, you can look on your phone, you can look on the screen up here. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I'll happily give one to you today. Uh, but I want to make sure that you understand God's words more than you understand my words. Amen? 
All right, great. So we're going to read all of Psalm 40 as we have each week. We've read the entire psalm because we can really see uh, David, who wrote this psalm, we can see his feelings and his emotions coming out. So we're going to read the entirety of the psalm, all 17 verses here, and we're going to see three things that God is going to show us, Lord willing, through his word. And I'm going to read it in the international children's version. So uh, if you're a child, make sure you're paying attention, okay? If you're an adult, you also need to make sure you're paying attention. So I'm going to read Psalm chapter 40. Here's all of it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of destruction, out of the sticky mud. He stood me on a rock and he made my feet steady. He put a new song in my mouth. It was a song of praise to our God. Many people will see this and worship him. Then they will trust the Lord. Happy is the person who trusts the Lord. He doesn't turn to those who are proud or to those who worship false gods. Lord our God, you have done many miracles. Your plans for us are many. If I tried to tell them all, there would be too many to count. You don't want sacrifices or offerings, but you have made a hole in my ear to show me that my body and my life are yours. You do not ask for burnt offerings and offerings to take away sins. Then I said, look, I have come. It's written about me in the book. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. I will tell about your goodness in the great meeting of your people. Lord, you know my lips are not silent. I do not hide your goodness in my heart. I speak about your loyalty and salvation. I do not hide your love and truth from the people in the great meeting. Lord, do not hold back your mercy from me. Let your love and truth always protect me. Troubles have gathered around me. There's too many of them to count. My sins have caught me. I cannot see a way to escape. I have more sins than I do hairs on my head. I have lost my courage. Please, Lord, save me. Hurry, Lord, help me. People are trying to kill me. Shame them and disgrace them. People want to hurt me. Let them run away in disgrace. People are making fun of me. Let them be shamed into silence. But let those who follow you be happy and glad. They love you for saving them. May they always say, praise the Lord. Lord, I am poor and helpless, but please remember me. You are my helper and my savior. My God, do not wait. So we gather together to testify of God's deliverance. We read this entire psalm because the feelings are rich, because King David has gone through some things as we see in this psalm. We're going to look at three things. Somebody say three things. Great. Three things from Psalm 40 of how we testify to God's deliverance. The first thing is that we testify that God is our rock. We testify that God is our rock. In verse 1, it says, I've waited patiently on the Lord. Now, many of us can probably uh, resonate with David here. How many of you have ever waited patiently on the Lord? How many of you have ever waited impatiently on the Lord? More hands should go up. Well done, church. We are an honest congregation. Great. And there's a deep longing. There's this sense of, I need this. I need you to deliver me. I need this thing. I need a deliverance from that thing. Whatever the case might be, whether I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling ashamed or I'm feeling destitute, there's this sense of this deep longing and waiting for the Lord. That's exactly where David was. And then he gets to the second part of verse 1 where he says, he inclined his ear to me or he stooped over to me, or he bent down with the intention of doing something about it, and he heard my cry. He drew 
me out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog. Now, those two metaphors are things that would be reminiscent of death. So when you hear of the pit of destruction or you hear the miry bog, you should think that David is saying, I'm waiting because I'm in a near-death experience. I'm waiting because I feel like I'm going to die. I'm waiting because I'm so sad I could die. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, I am sorrowful nigh unto death. I'm so sad that I could die. This is at least how David felt. It's these deep, deep trials that many of us, if not all of us, have likely gone through in this room. That we have been so sad and so patient and feeling like we just are not getting what God said he would give to us. But the psalmist David here, he says that he inclined his ear to me and heard my cry. And then what does he do? He sets his feet on a rock. He sets his feet on firm foundation. He puts a new song in his mouth. And this song is a praise to God. And the result is that many will see and fear and trust God. We need to see two things from what David is showing us of his testimony that the Lord is his rock. The first thing that we need to see is that he set his feet on the solid rock, which is reminiscent of the majority of the Psalms, that we can find this somewhere. But after we go through a trial, our feet seem to be a little bit more firmly set on God. After you've gotten through, you're much more reticent to trust God. You're much more willing to trust God after you've gotten through the trial. The the writer here, David, says, I waited and I waited on the Lord. I waited patiently on the Lord. In the waiting, we can be very vulnerable. In the waiting, we can feel like, God, where are you? In the waiting, like Ezra asking, when is this sickness going to be over? He's saying, I I just want to get back to my normal life, Dad. I just want things to go back to the way that they were. So in the waiting, we're vulnerable, but in the waiting, you're also moldable. That when God has your attention, which he will usually do by allowing painful circumstances to come your way, we don't, God doesn't have our attention any more than he does when he has us in pain, right? When you are hurt, you are saying, ouch, I need help. When we are waiting, we are saying, God, I'm listening. So anytime someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm going through something, I say, well, have you asked God what he's trying to teach you yet? Because he has our attention when we are in pain. So he is trying to form us into his likeness. He is trying to mold us into his likeness. So if you have not been delivered yet from that thing that you can't seem to get through, or that person you can't seem to get away from, or that thing that continues to just nag on you, just know that God wants your attention and he wants to do something with you. That his delay is not his deny. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't said, son, daughter, I don't care about what you're going through. He is saying, if you keep waiting patiently and you keep listening to what I'm trying to do, I'm going to put a new song in your mouth. I'm going to put a song of praise in your mouth. And that's the second thing, is the result of this new song. We gather to testify of God's deliverance. This new song says that many will see and fear and put their trust into the Lord. So God allows trials to come to our lives so we might offer testimony of his goodness so that other people might see and say, if he got through it, maybe I can get through it. Or if she got through it, if she raised those kids on her own, Maybe I can raise my kids on my own too. Maybe God will help me. Maybe God will do something and look upon my poor and helpless state and he will incline his ear to me, hear my cry, lift me out of the miry bog and the pit of destruction, put my feet on solid rock, put a new song in my mouth, and I will sing that new song because people need to hear that song. There's a song. It's not, it's not actually a song. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Uh, but I, I want to invite someone to the stage because she has a song that she wants to sing. She has a new song that has been put in her mouth. Jesse Lopez, come on up. Jesse's going to testify of God's deliverance. Yeah. 
So remember, we gather together to testify of God's deliverance because praise awakens praise. So we're going to hear this song. Thank you. I'm going to stay six feet away from you. We're going to try and do this again. This is great. We did it first service and you did amazing. So you're going to do it amazing again. So uh, two things real quick. We praise God to deepen our joy and we praise God so that praise might awaken praise. So I want you to hear her story of how God is your rock. Okay. Okay. That one's live. Thank you. There you go. Okay. Praise God. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay, so we are going to look at Psalm 40 just for a moment. I want to just take you to a place, and I, if I could paint a picture for you of what Ryan is saying. And yes, all those three verses, I just want to give you an example. Okay, so let's just pray. Let's just pause. Oh, Father, um, thank you that you are walking in our midst. You are here, and we find ourselves among friends. We find ourselves among kingdom folk. So just um, put it all together today, God, that we would understand what it means that you are our rock, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so friends, we have a joyful salvation. Psalm 40 says this, I waited and waited and waited some more patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last he bent down and listened to my cry. So I want to take you, if I can, for just a moment to Brazil. And um, that's where I lived. And this is just a story of one day while I was in church. And um, I often escaped to church. So this was one of those days. And I had escaped unbeknownst to my ex-husband. And I was sitting there just like you guys. I was sitting and I was just leaning in, and I was just pressing into the word of God, and I was just waiting for his rescue, waiting for his deliverance. I remembered that you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. And I believed that, that everything else would be figured out. So I had put my purse under my chair, and my kids, my babies were around me. And he came in, my ex-husband, he came in through the back, and he went under my chair, and he took my wallet and he took my keys and he took my purse and he took my money and I'm like okay okay Jesse you're okay you know you might need a bus to get home that would require money and you don't have keys to your house I'm okay I'm in the house of God I'm in the sanctuary I find his word and his word is always what delivered me so I said Jesse eyes on Jesus fix your eyes you know and then um he came back in and um and he came and he took the kids and he left with the kids. And so there I was abandoned and there I was rejected. And I decided, okay, the things that came to my mind, what am I going to do? Stay. This is the place of deliverance, the altar. It's, it's, a, it's a special place. And I knew God's deliverance was there. And then I thought, no, um, my kids are, how are they going to feel? Maybe they're going to be scared. Maybe who's going to take care of them when, I get home, when they get home? They might need food, so I'm going. So I left right in the middle of the word. And, okay, let's just connect with the word here. Verse 2 says, God, he stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place. That's God is our rock. A firm, a secure place. And steadied me, steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. 
and he steadied me. So the rest of the story is when I met him in the parking lot, he turned to me and he spit on my face. And he said, don't you see that I see you like a pig? And at that moment, God was my rock because that isn't what I felt. I felt the kingdom of heaven hem me in. I felt, I felt that I was in heavenly places. And, and for just one moment, I, I thought what came to my mind was Jesus. Didn't they spit on Jesus? And I tried to rack my brain. I wasn't quite sure how it was in scripture, if I could accurately get it right. But I was like, I knew they, they spit on Jesus. And maybe just a little bit of a sliver, I could feel what Jesus felt like to be rejected, pushed away by people, and not accepted because he sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he believed that everything else would trickle into place after, and it did. So it's no different for us. And at the same moment, the other thought that came to my mind was, Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of God. So I said, whoa, and I felt honored, and I felt um, like worthy and happy to be counted with the Christians, with the, with the Jesus people. I was on that side, and I was like, wow. So, so the last verse, and I will finish here, praise God, this way is says a new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free many will seek his miracles they'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him so if I could encourage you in one thing today it's to fall in love with Jesus because that love becomes your rock and then the, when the things assail you and they come at you from life you find yourself close and you find yourself near Jesus and that um that's what I wanted to share to give you an example so amen Father, thank you. Thank you that it is your story in this, your daughter's life. God, thank you that even though she went through a, a trial, that it's turned into a testimony today. Thank you that even though she felt persecuted, that she's able to tell of your righteousness today. So I pray that you would just continue to have your good hand upon she and her family. You would continue to protect her and hem her in. You would continue to lead her and guide her, God. And I pray that these words would awaken praise in our own hearts, that praise awakens praise. So as we see our sister testifying of a moment that might have felt like a near-death situation, that she has been placed on a firm, secure foundation. She has been placed on the rock. So as we hear this testimony of how you are our rock, and we see how we gather together to testify of your deliverance, may this awaken praise in our own hearts. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We ask in your holy name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Jesse. Let's put your hands together for what God has done in her heart. Yeah. Even Judah was giving you an amen. That was hallelujah. That's what he said, all right? So we know that praise awakens praise. We know that we praise God to deepen our joy. God doesn't necessarily need us to say nice things about him. He's not like some insecure fellow who wants us to, to praise him and say all these good, good things about him so he'll feel good. What our praise does, it is awakens joy inside of us, but it also awakens praise inside of others, right? That we see this with children, right? That when, when we watch Lego Ninjago at our house, 
all of a sudden my kids turn into ninjas, right? So they see something and then they try to emulate that. So I pray that you would see Jesse's situation, you would see her praising God, and you would emulate that in your own heart, that praise awakens praise. So what else do we, co- why else do we come together to testify of God's deliverance? We testify that God multiplies his favor. We're going to look at verses 4 through 11 now. So David was talking about God in verses 1 through 3. Now he's talking to God in verses 4 through 11. He talks about how happy is the man that trusts in the Lord and that you have given us all these wondrous deeds. You have all these beautiful thoughts towards us. All of the good things that you have done to us and for us, God, there are too many that I could count, but I'm still going to try and tell them. Now, I've talked to a lot of people about their feelings, about God's feelings for them. Now, as, as a pastor, I, I get to wear multiple different hats. Sometimes that hat's a counselor. Sometimes that hat is a hat that I wish I didn't own. But, um, you know, any of you, uh, you can praise God for that. <laughs> you can praise God that, that there's uh, sometimes hats that we don't always want to wear. But when people come to me and they say, well, that sounds good, pastor. It seems like God might care about some people, but he doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me like that. My neighbors, they keep getting new cars, and my sister, she keeps getting new jobs, and, you know, their marriage is working out okay, or their kids seem to have it all together, but God just doesn't look at me like that. And I have to go to the same place all the time because I can't convince them that God is just going to bless them if they keep waiting. I say, God has already blessed you. God has already multiplied his favor on you because of Jesus. Because God has given you the best thing that he could give anyone. God has offered you the best thing that he could ever offer anyone. Better than a career, better than a relationship, better than material things. He has given you his own son as a sacrifice for your life, as a sacrifice for your eternity. So as we begin to talk about Jesus, as we begin to talk about how God gave Jesus up for us, and then we begin to talk about God has loved his people all along. Even when they were in slavery in Egypt, God loved his people because he delivered them out of that. Even when they were journeying towards the promised land that shouldn't have taken nearly as long as it did, he still fed them with manna from heaven and he delivered food to them when they were hungry. Even when, just like the song said, we had an army at our back and we had a Red Sea in front of us. God parted that Red Sea and he delivered his people. And at exactly the right moment, Jesus came into the world and he has given us the very best thing that we ever could have received. Some of us may not be able to see God's goodness today because you've never believed God's goodness to you in Jesus. Now, if you believe that God has given you Jesus, then you can believe God has been good to you. Amen. If you believe that God has given his own son for you, then you can believe that he will continue to be good for you. But perhaps when we don't believe in the goodness of Jesus, it's because you're waiting for something else. Now, God could give you something else. He could deliver you these monetary or material possessions, but God doesn't have anything better to give you than Jesus. God has already given his very best to us. He's given us his presence by his Holy Spirit. He's given us an atoning sacrifice in his son, Jesus. He's given us a perfect example, the perfect word, works, will, and way of his son for us to follow. So God has multiplied his favor in our lives, and that's why we're here, because we gather together to testify of God's deliverance, and we're gathering together to testify that God multiplies his favor, even though his works are more than can be told. So then David goes into this kind of 
wordplay about the word delight, where he says, you won't delight in sacrifices. Now, even though God set up the sacrificial system for Israel, he wanted it to be a celebration for what God had done, not a replacement for what they can do for God, right? So it's a celebration of what God had done. Sacrifices are a celebration of what God has done in your life, not a replacement for what you're going to go do for God. So it says that He wouldn't delight in sacrifices or sin offerings, but David's delight was to do your will. He said, oh God, my delight is to do your will and your law is within my heart. We gather together to testify of God's deliverance. So I want to bring up somebody else right now who can tell a story better than I could about the way that God has multiplied favor in her life, that even though she might have encountered disfavorable situations, that God has still multiplied favor in her life. So Heather, why don't you come on up here? Why don't you put your hands together, church, that that Heather is not going to withhold her testimony from the great congregation today. And she's going to testify to how God has multiplied his favor. Check. This is easier. Sorry, Jesse, I didn't do that for you. God bless you. <laughs> um, thank you, Jesse. She's amazing. Thank you. Amen, Jesse. Um, if you've never been up here, this is probably one of the hardest things you can ever imagine. Um, it's funny because Pastor Ryan the other night when he messaged me, I said, um, I don't know what to say. Like, what do I talk about? Um, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's especially hard to be vulnerable in front of people that you look to or who look up to you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I work a lot in kids men. Usually at this time, pre-COVID-19, I would be back there and most of you wouldn't see me unless you have a third, fourth, or fifth grader. Um, and boy, do I miss them. I miss all of them. I'm so glad they're here with us today. Um, but that kind of goes a little point with my purpose. Um, you see, when Pastor Ryan asked me to share today, I didn't know what to say. I was, I was stuck. And so what did I do? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed (laughs) for like three days. Um, yeah, I've been through a lot of trials, lots of trials, but so has everybody else in this room, everybody in this room. And many of you are facing trials right now that none of us have any idea of about no idea. So I just want you to know you're not alone. God delivered me many, many, many times. When I was eight years old and I was abused emotionally, sexually, physically, God delivered me. I used to go and visit crack houses with my dad as a child to get him out. God delivered me. How about being homeless and living with no gas and no electricity. Have you ever had to run an extension cord to your neighbor's house just to keep the refrigerator running? Yeah. God delivered me. How about when my husband left me with four small children and I was pregnant with number five and I haven't seen him since. But I'm here and my kids are here. God delivered me. How about when I became a felon? Most of you guys didn't know that one, but God delivered me. Probably one of my biggest deliverances though, and a lot of people don't know this, is uh, three years ago, I came, Pastor Ryan has a way of putting me in situations that I'm kind of like testing the comfort level. Um, But I came because of Pal four years ago. (laughs) Um, But three years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer and I had tumors in my spinal cord. And I was here every Sunday, and I praise God with tears in my eyes, Um, and I'm here today. And I thank God, because those forms of deliverance for me 
there's no other way except just to show God's favor to others, just to remind them. God multiplies favor. I know this all too well. Favor that I'm certainly unworthy of. I tried to do it so many times on my own. Um, There's a quote. You've beat 100% of your bad days so far. You guys who are struggling, remember that. But I want to add, God delivered you from 100% of your bad days so far. The worst day you ever could imagine, God delivered you. So that mountain that you're facing, you can do it. I promise. Um, I just want to lead to my last testimony, my, little, my most important point. I love you, Davida. Um, this, semester, this past May, I graduated from Oakland University. I'm 36 years old. That, to- that goes back to my, my purpose. You see, God's favor is always going to be tied to your purpose. If you're leading a life that God leads for you, and you remember that God multiplies favor, so many times I was told, no, no, you can't work here. You got a felony. No, you can't do this. You got a felony. You can't do this. But guess what? This fall, I'm going to be teaching in the Pontiac School District, and I'm going to do a good job. Lastly, I just want to tell everybody, um, they're watching you. Everybody's watching you. Remind them of how God multiplies favor in your life. That testimony you thought didn't even matter, I promise it matters to your neighbor, to your child, to your mom, your sister, your cousin. Those points that you think are so tiny, those are triumphs in the kingdom of heaven and all glory is to God. Thank you and God bless. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, you did so good. All right. Friends, let's stretch out our hand towards Heather. We want to pray protection, but we also want to pray that her testimony would be implanted into our own hearts because praise awakens praise. Father, thank you. Thank you in the name of Jesus, your perfect son and our savior, that you have multiplied your favor on this, my sister's life. That even though she has encountered numerous disfavorable situations or been in unfavorable positions, that you have multiplied your favor on her life because you have given her your son, Jesus. And because you have given her your son, Jesus, and you've put your Holy Spirit inside of her, God, that there is a purpose and there's a plan for her life. So I thank you that we can hear the testimony of Heather, that we can hear the testimony of Jesse, two people that are going to be teaching in in the Pontiac School District in the fall. Thank you that these are the testimonies. These are our sisters that are going to be impacting the next generation. So I pray that this would awaken praise in our own hearts, that because they have not restrained their testimony today, because you have not restrained your mercy, God, that we would not restrain as your people our testimony of what you're doing in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. We ask in your holy and heavenly name. Amen and amen. Great job, Heather. Let's put your hands together for what God has done in her life. So we gather together to testify of God's deliverance, and that's exactly what David says as he moves forward, right? He says that I have not restrained my praise for you. I've not concealed or hidden my praise for you because, God, you have not restrained or concealed or hidden your mercy toward me. So because God is not a God who has restrained mercy toward us, because God is not a God who has restrained his son, our Savior, from us, that we should not be a people who would ever restrain our testimony of his goodness in our lives. And many of us... We're caught restraining our testimony. We're caught restraining our time. We're caught restraining our talent. We're caught restraining our treasure because we prop up our own preferences 
above what God has done in our lives. So I pray today that we would no longer rob God by holding our testimony inside of us, that we would no longer rob God by not being in community with other brothers and sisters, with other believers, because he has purposed us to do this together. He has purposed us to come together, just like if we look to our left or our right in this church right now, nobody looks like anybody else. Nobody's come from the same place. Even if you've been married for 40 years, you can testify that you don't know what it's like to be your husband or your wife, right? That we are all different, but because of Christ Jesus, because of what God has done in our lives, he can bring us together. We can be a spiritual family on mission. (coughs) Excuse me. We can be God's people in the east side of Pontiac, in our community, for his glory. Now, the first time that I came to church, I was 22 years old. I heard the gospel my senior year of college, and it was just the right moment. Do you have that water bottle? It was just the right moment that I needed to hear it. Thank you. The prettiest girl in church, get me a bottle of water. Isn't that amazing? I'm winning today. (laughs) So it was a church that I had never been to before, and it was an interesting church. I won't mention the name of it, but there were flags being waved. There were people screaming. There was somebody laying on the ground, and I didn't know if she was going to be okay or not. And, and as my first Sunday in church, I had just received the gospel, and I thought, either I'm never coming back to church in my life, or I will be here every Sunday moving forward. And I thank God that he's allowed the latter to happen, that we go to church every single Sunday. But what I, what I saw when I was 22, and what I'm hoping you're seeing today is this. These people get something that, that maybe I'm not understanding. That they're singing really loud, and I don't really know why they're singing really loud, but, but I think I need to get that. Perhaps they've learned something that I haven't learned. Perhaps these testimonies of God's goodness and glory in our lives, and that we've seen in Jesse's life, that we've seen in Heather's life, that I'm testifying to you about my own life, perhaps there's something more. Perhaps we need to dig a little bit deeper with the Lord. Perhaps we need to stop withholding or restraining or hiding or concealing our own testimony of God's goodness in our life, or our own resources of God's goodness in our life, or our own, perhaps, selfishness of not wanting to be in community because we eat different food or our houses are at different temperatures or we live in different neighborhoods or whatever the case might be. Perhaps today is the day where we can look around and we can say, we are going to be spiritual family on mission, God. You have called us a family. The beauty of the body of Jesus Christ is that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. And I know that God is doing it right here at Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac, that he is forming spiritual family on mission. And I hope that what we see today as we gather together to testify of God's deliverance is that we say, I got to come back. I can't miss church because... Uh, you know, the game's on. I can't miss church because I got to go to a sporting event. I I can't miss my life group because I want to go to this concert at Pine Knob or whatever, whatever the case might be. What we must say is I will not restrain the testimony you have put in my life, God, because somebody else needs it. I will not restrain the goodness that you have put in my life, God, because perhaps somebody else needs it. So as we wrap up this psalm, as we get to our third point today, and as the worship team comes back up, the psalmist David here he kind of makes a strange trans- transition where psalms typically go in this order. Petition, then praise. I'm asking you for something. I'm needy for something. And then I get it, and then I praise. But what we see here in verse 1, the, the deliverance has already come. God, David is already saying, thank you, God, for delivering me. And then in verse 13, the, the deliverance hasn't come yet. So what our third point for the day is, is that we would pray that God would keep us testifying. So whether your deliverance is in your future or in your past, 
past, all you need to do in the present is testify. All you need to do in the present is worship. All you need to do in the present is say, God, even if I haven't been delivered from what I'm going through right now, I know you're going to do it because you've done it in the past. I know you're going to do it because you did it in Heather's life. I know you're going to do it because you did it in Jesse's life. I know you're going to do it because you I have a praying grandmother. I know you're going to do it because we got a, pray t- a prayer team at this church that is faithful to lift up all the needs in prayer. So we see in verse 13 that even though the answer is in the future, David does not stop praising God. David does not stop testifying. And in verse 16, he says, may those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. So if you love the salvation that you have been offered in Jesus Christ, then our response is this, great is the Lord. Even if the deliverance is on the front end, even if we haven't experienced yet, great is the Lord. So we are going to pray that God would keep us testifying, that God would cause us to encounter people on the street who would say, let me tell you something about what my God has done in my life. Or let me tell you this story of this very brave woman, this school teacher in the Pontiac School District, about what she's been through. So maybe God can get you through whatever you're going through. That we must pray that God would continue to keep us testifying. There is a reason that the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm chapter 40 when he is outlining and explaining, explaining the superiority of Christ's sacrifice. That if we have not received Christ as our Lord and Savior in our life, today can be that day. Yeah. Right now can be that moment where even though you might not get through the physical thing that you're going through, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in which you will always be able to have future hope future glory and future deliverance. If Christ is your savior, you will always be delivered. Even if you get delivered from this life into heaven, you will be delivered. Even if you get delivered from the thing that is taking you down in this life, you have hope because you have Jesus. So we always have future hope, future glory, and future deliverance in Jesus. That's why the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 40 here to say that that my delight is to do your will, O God, that your law is hidden in my heart. So if we look at Christ's sacrifice, the body of Jesus that was offered once and for all, that that's why we're here. We're here to testify of God's deliverance in our life. And he has delivered each and every one of you who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, put your personal faith, hope, and trust in him and him alone for your life. You've already been delivered. So you can praise God that you already have a testimony if you have Jesus in your heart. But if you don't, today's the day to get serious with Jesus. Today's the day to say, I need deliverance. I need to be rescued from that which I am going through. Today's the day when we look at Psalm 40, verse 1, and we say, I've waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined his ear to me. He heard my cry, and he's put me on a firm foundation. He's put a new song in my mouth. So I pray that as we sing this song together, we're about to sing a familiar song. It's called Surrounded. The subtitle is Fight My Battles. So I want to invite everybody up to their feet right now, because there's going to be a new song put in our mouth right now. And this song, our worship is going to be our witness. But our worship is also going to be the weapons of our warfare. That this is how we are going to fight our battles. This is how we're going to fight the things that are in front of us that we need deliverance from by praising the name of Jesus. This is how we're going to fight the things that we encounter when we leave this place, when we're out of the comfort of church on a Sunday morning, that we're going to say, I know my God is good. Here's how I'm going to fight my battles. Even though it looks like I'm surrounded on earth, I'm surrounded by heaven because Jesus is in my heart. Even though I'm surrounded by people that are trying to assail me and 
come against me. I'm surrounded by a Savior that will always come through for me. I'm surrounded by a Savior that has never let me down. So right now, we're going to praise Jesus with everything we have. We're going to sing this song with everything we have because this is the new song that he's put in our mouth. It's a song to testify of his goodness, to testify of his deliverance, to testify that I was going this way towards Satan, and then he turned me around, and I'm going this way towards Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And I want you to take this seriously, not as just words on a screen, not as just a song that the band is going to play. If the sound doesn't sound right, it doesn't matter because this is about you and your heart. This is about ammunition for the battle that you are in or you're going to be in, sure, for your own heart. There's only two ways to do things, right or again. So if you haven't done it right yet by putting your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, you can do it again right now because he will do it again because that's the kind of God that he is. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth. Thank you that you have invited us right here, right now, to meet with you. Jesus, thank you that we will be delivered one day into perfect communion and fellowship with God our Father once again because of your atoning sacrifice. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you would give those ears to hear who need to hear your gospel for the first time today. I pray that you would draw people to the name of Jesus that has been lifted high today. Your word says that if we lift you up, that you will draw people close to you, Jesus. So I pray that as we sing this song, as we work out this ammunition, as you give us the weapons of our warfare, which is worship for a world that needs to see you, Jesus, that it would be more than words on a screen. It would be more than a song that a handful of people are singing. It would be a testimony that you put in our hearts. And it would be a testimony that is a new song in our mouth that we walk out of this place singing. That we walk into work on Monday singing. That we walk into school on, on Thursday singing. That we walk into whatever place you draw us into singing this song. Because even though it looks like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by you, Lord Jesus. We love you, we trust you, we thank you. We ask in your holy and heavenly name. Together we say amen and amen. Let's put our hands together and let's worship Jesus, church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.